This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Unholstered. Glad you're able to hang out with us here on Unholstered. For those of you just tuning in for the very first time, my name is Kayla Blakesley and I host a radio program here in Northeast Indiana and I'm sitting alongside my co-host who is actually a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome to the show on Holster. This is all about, really, the local media joining forces with the local police department to talk about the stories you want to talk about, and that's exactly, uh, couldn't, could not be more true today, yes. Sophia. Finally. Uh, finally. I mean, <laughs> finally. We've talked, we've talked about everything, you know, really serious from mental health to, to, the, to the drug epidemic, specifically fentanyl. Uh, we've talked about folks for the first time who are putting their hands on a, on a firearm. I mean, all kinds of really serious topics. I'm really excited today to bring in our guest because when we started right? this show. <laughs> request after request re- after yes. request. I, I'm serious. I know we're kind of joking and smiling, but since we started this show, I've had so many people reach out saying, hey, we want to hear from James Payne. Uh, James is a patrol officer plus a school resource officer. Most recently, he joined the crisis response team as a negotiator. I'm, I'm really, uh, really intrigued to hear more about that. Uh, but without further ado, uh, Sophia, tell us about James. I don't know that James is unknown to anyone in this city. Um, obviously, his smile proceeds wherever he goes. He's like the light of everyone's day. And he's always wearing that smile. So um, I think I'm just happy that people are recognizing that and recognizing what a wonderful officer he is and how good he is with, with people. He truly, and I know, James, you're sitting there and you're laughing and you're probably like, oh, geez. These, these he's women, embarrassed. Yeah, he's building, embarrassed. Building me all up. But we have heard nothing but really um, wonderful, kind things about you. And I agree with Sophia. You walked into this room and your smile just kind of lit up the room uh but i mean i feel like first and foremost the the obvious question is how how does everyone know you are you do you patrol the streets are you in the schools i mean how is it that you're running into all these members of the community oh yes ma'am first of all thank you kayla for having me and captain oh jeez i'm glad you're here appreciate it (laughs) uh yes um I've been a patrolman. I've been on the force now for 19 years. Oh, wow. And um, I have been an SRO assigned to Lakeside Middle School for the last three years. Um, I'm also a sports official for high school and college. So I know a lot of people from that aspect and just getting around in the community. Are you from Fort Wayne? No, ma'am. I'm originally from Murray, Kentucky. No kidding. Well, then how on earth did you get here? Uh, Back in 1997, Archie Lunsey, who was uh, a city councilman, uh, and I met in Nashville, Tennessee, where his son was going to school and he asked me if I wanted to play semi-professional football here for the River City Rhino football team. At that point in time I came here, uh, got on a job with um, Jonathan Ray in the Child Protective Services uh, sector and then um, stayed there for a while and then I met Tyree Carr and uh, Sergeant Kerry Haywood and they said why don't you be a police officer. What year would that have been? That would have been two, actually 99. 99. And I said, well, I'll think about it and uh, applied and by the grace of God, I'm here. It's so amazing. So we featured Sophia last week, which, by the way, if you missed that episode, please, please, please check it out. Uh, you can learn a lot about Sophia. But it's so crazy. Both of you, you kind of just like fell into this career. Because by the sound, it doesn't like James, you didn't grow up thinking, hey, I'm going to be a police officer, nor did Sophia. Right. Exactly. I never thought about it at all. And and here you are 19 years later. Yeah, Sophia. we're really happy that he did, though. Um 
And for those of you who don't know James, he is fantastic. Anytime there's children involved with anything, we do try to have James involved as well. He just has this energy around kids, and kids gravitate to him. He's just genuine. He's always smiling, and he's just got the biggest heart of anybody that I know. And I am happy to call James Payne my friend. And uh, <laughs> I am grateful that he uh, um, decided to come on, and I might have coaxed a little bit. Um, but I was joking with him out in the parking lot because I was like, I'm, I feel really special today because James is always late. If you know James Payne, <laughs> he is always late to everything. But he was right on time for, this, for this show, so I'm really happy about that. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm rubbing off on him a little bit. What's a typical Absolutely. day like? for you, James? Well, uh, starting with getting up, I uh, read the Bible every morning before I go to work. And then I um, go to Lakeside, uh, make sure the kids get into school safely. Once the kids get to school safely, I go to Forest Park, which is my feeder school to Lakeside, which is an elementary school, and make sure those kids are safely off the bus into the school. And then I come back to Lakeside and resume my uh, duties there by making sure that the school is As safe. A school resource officer, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, after school, then it could be a sporting event. It could be something in the community that I, um, uh, I attend or something like that. So that's pretty much my He's day. He's pretty busy. He's pretty yeah. busy. And like he says, he does the, the uh, roughing after school and he does various sports. And I think he's just gotten to know a lot of students and they very much respect James. And that's really important, especially when you're trying to get a good message across to well, kids. Well, that's kind of, you know, my next question, I guess, what do the students think of you and how are you received? Because we've had on uh, Deputy Chief McKinney talking about school resource officers specifically. And sometimes they're liked, sometimes they're not. But how do you build these relationships with students? Well, it's coming from my own family background. I come from a close knit community of Murray, uh, where if you did something on uh, First Street, by the time you got to Fourth Street, five or six people had disciplined you prior to getting home, and then you got, got it at home. The way it should be. <laughs> yes. and, uh, but however, I want these kids to have the ability, well, they have the ability, but have the opportunity mm-hmm. to experience all that life has for them. Uh, don't settle themselves short. Whatever they want to do and be, they can do and be. All they have to do is apply themselves. And I try to spill that energy off to them because... I was told I would never do nothing but graduate from high school, be a successful athlete, and work at a gas station. But I had bigger aspirations, and by the grace of God, once again, I am able to hopefully affect others in the community and show them that, hey, you don't have to limit yourself. You know, branch out. What you what made you go to becoming an SRO? Because you said you've been doing that for, what, three years now is what you said, but you've been on the force for 19? Yes. Some of the kids, uh, unfortunately, um, made decisions that were not the best. And I saw that happening more and more often. And some of the a uh, couple of kids had come to me and asked me, "You should come back to school because I did off-duty security at Northside mm. uh, for several years uh, myself and uh, Lieutenant Randy Hosford. And uh, through that experience, got to know a lot of people. And those kids back then have kids that are now in middle school. And um, I just wanna, I just felt compelled to come in there and try to see if I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously you have, because everyone says, talk to James, talk to James, talk to James. <laughs> so what's it like then to, what do you have to go through to be an SRO? Is there anything specific for that? Uh, you have to have three years on, uh, have a, um, a good record, nothing, you know, pending against mm-hmm. you reference, uh, any bad actions. And, uh, just be good with kids. I mean, really, just just have that passion for kids and wanting them to be successful. Yeah. After you get on, and you, is there an interview process mm-hmm. as well? So you have to interview. Uh, but after you get on, then there's some additional education that you have to receive, certifications that you have to receive for an SRO. So uh, those 
all those, and there's continuing ed too. So every year they have to go back and do oh. certain requirements to keep their certifications. So it's a lot of work. And you know, anyone that deals with kids primarily knows it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes you know the SROs get a bad rap of what are they doing over there. But like I've said before, well, they do, and that's why I'm like so. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I love. I'm like pleasantly surprised to hear how positive, at least positively, you've been received and how positive you are about it, because you're right, Sophia, they do get a bad rap. And many of our officers that are in the schools are as SROs the same. I mean, I just uh, went to a luncheon with another SRO, and she came in regular clothes, and she's like, I'm just going to go back to school like this. She went back to school, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, you're a girl. And, (laughs) you know, she had, like, a suit on, and they're like, you look so good in girl clothes. You know, I do think, I do recall you coming into the studio one day in civilian clothes, and I thought, oh, wow, I've never seen you. Yeah, yeah. It It is very it is surprising. It is surprising. If you know, if a parent is tuned in right now, maybe they're, maybe they do have a bad taste in their mouths about an SRO. What would you say, James, to try and to try and smooth them over? I would say give that SRO a chance. Mm-hmm. If you have an opportunity, talk to that SRO. Um, maybe call the school or something like that, and just have a conversation either by phone or if um, uh, they permit, come in and talk to the SRO. Sit down and. Just have a personal conversation with that SRO to see exactly how pleasant that person is, as well as how much they want their child to succeed. Because you don't you don't have to be an SRO, right? I mean, if you don't want to be, you don't have to be one. Right. Correct. So obviously, these people are doing this. Yeah, they're in passion because, they want because of children, and they want to help. Because um, we know that right at that at that age of middle school, early high school, the kids are struggling mm-hmm. right now, and you know even. I think sometimes as parents, we've become so disconnected from our kids, right? We've, we give them a cell phone, we give them some cable TV, we give them some, you know, um, Netflix mm-hmm. or Hulu, and, you know, we go about, and those are distraction devices, so we don't really have to have those engaging conversations and things like that. And, you know, nothing nothing kind of upsets me more than to go to a dinner out and you see everybody on their phone at the dinner table instead of having a conversation. So, you know, sometimes these kids aren't getting what they need, and sometimes that and sometimes the parents aren't able to. Sometimes they're working two jobs. They're tired. You know, they have to catch some sleep when they can. They're trying to do the best for their families, mm-hmm. and they don't have time to engage. Well, that SRO, like James, is such a vital role at that point in being that mentor and being that friend and someone they can turn to and talk to. And that's what he does, and he does very well, at the end as of, do all the SROs. At the end of the day, they're there to build relationships, be a positive impact. Right. Do you have any success stories that you can share, you know, from oh, your time wow, serving there, as an SRO? There are so many. There are so many, um, and not only athletics, but uh, academics and et cetera, but the, uh, wow. Too many to choose from. Yes, too many to choose from. <laughs> but what it feels good is when a, a person leaves our uh, the Fort Wayne Community School System and they go to college, they're successful in college, mm-hmm. and they're successful in athletics, academics, whatever the case may be, and they are productive citizens in whatever area they're in, and they come back and they say, Officer Payne, thank you mm-hmm. for the qualities that you taught me during my time in high school or middle school, it really meant a lot, and um, I'm doing this now, and that's what makes me feel great, definitely. Helps you wake up every morning to yes. go to work. So then this might be a silly question, but like during the summer, you know, as an SRO, what? how does that work? What I do is I patrol the area in which my schools are located, which is the northeast sector okay. of the city, and I patrol, and anything that happens in reference to a kid or a juvenile, I'll try to answer and talk, and uh, I've had uh, kids that have... Um, not made curfew, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. and I've been called to their home and 
Probably nothing more scary though than a police officer showing up on your front door saying, "Hey, you need." <laughs> yeah. You know, as scary as he looks, because he's a big, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a big, he's a big fella. Um, but that smile. It's okay. kind of hard yeah. to be like, oh, okay, he's not so mad. Yeah. Does that happen often? I don't, I don't know if this is off track or not, but does that happen often where you do hear from parents where where it's like, hey, can you guys send someone to talk to my child? Does that happen a lot? It happens all the time. No kidding. All the time, especially when kids are truant or they don't want to go to school. They'll call the police. You know, and sometimes the SROs are available and they'll go out and handle those situations. But a lot of times it's just, you know, an officer going out there and just getting the kid up. And so it doesn't in. have to be an SRO that it would It doesn't go. have to. I mean, sometimes though they're, they're supposed to listen to their radios and mm-hmm. respond when they can. But at, at arrival and dismissal of lunchtime, they are at that school gotcha. that they're at. They have to be there. So anything that happens during those times, you know, has to be handled by street officers. Then what prompts you to, to be involved in refing games and, and being involved in the sports arena? Because obviously you're a really busy guy and then you add that on top. I mean, mm-hmm. what inspires you to do that? Well, I've always been an athlete mm-hmm. uh, and uh, this is a way I can not only uh, stay athletic, but give back to the game that allowed me to be as successful that I am as I am now. So you primarily so, involved in, in football or yeah, I do high football, school, middle school, or? football and high football for high school and college, basketball for high school and baseball for high school. So do those kids realize you're a police officer or? A lot of them didn't realize until yeah. they see me. Like uh, maybe I'll do a security uh, detail, off-duty security detail, or something like. You're a police officer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, they said, oh, I thought you were just a ref. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have another job. Yeah, yeah. And they they laughed. They're like, what? Do they look at you differently? Yeah, they they kind of laughed. They're like, well, you're not really mean. I mean, you you you're tell too us, cool. yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And it's like, you tell us what we do wrong during the game, but you do it in a way that makes us realize, okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. I did do that. He said, you've been a police officer. I thought you'd be like, mean. I right. said, no. I said, that's I think that's, that's one of the really great things about this show. And I'm sure Sophia would echo that. We've been able to, you know, kind of pull back the layers, if you will, and, and really straighten out a lot of misconceptions that I feel like people have about police officers in general. There's a lot of stereotypes out there, uh, particularly when it does come to SROs. I feel like there are a lot of stereotypes that exist mm-hmm. as well. And week after week. We get to highlight individuals like yourself and show that that y'all are real humans. Uh, You have lives outside of the Fort Wayne Police Department. And at the end of the day, y'all have one thing in common, and it seems to be that y'all have the heartbeat for this community. And I would argue that's probably why you do what you do. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, it's part of that. We, we live in these communities. Mm-hmm. We're parents here. We're, we're workers here. We're um, engaging in, you know, eating out and concerts and theater and things here. So we want it to be safe. We want people to be involved because when there's an involved community, it's just, I think, uh, just a, a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we can have all sorts of cultures getting together peacefully and interacting, I mean, I, I always say that through food, most of the. Um, interactions between cultures is brought together well. You're talking uh, my language right? there when you're when you're talking food, right? When you're going and sampling things, and people are bringing their culture to you mm-hmm. in a way that everyone understands food. Um, and you know, you may not like it, you may like it. Um, same with people, right? I mean, everybody has a different attitude. Everybody brings something different to the table, but we can all at least be respectful of each other, um, regardless if we see eye to eye on issues or or things within our own cultures that are different. So when it comes to being a school resource officer, do you or can you, I guess, discipline students? Well, that's the schools. Right. Um, They do the discipline. However, what I do is prior to the school getting them, if I'm able to, 
I'll have a one-on-one with them. Oh, okay. Uh, and just kind of talk to them and let them see exactly how they could have handled whatever situation they're in differently and let them understand and also know that we're not mad at them. We're just upset with the choice that they made. Mm-hmm. And that is what causes this situation that they're in now. And so, therefore, when the school has them, they're not as uh, uptight and just uh, angry at whatever they did. Yeah. Bit, yeah. And they understand if they want me to, I'll sit in with their uh, with their parent and the principal and we'll all sit down together. And, and uh, that makes the parents feel a little bit more comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. And that's how we do it. Do you find with things uh, with the political climate right now, uh, primarily being in the middle of this pandemic and there's just such extremes on both sides do you find your job has been a little bit more challenging because you've got masks snow masks mandates school board meetings just crazy things like that do you find your job has become more challenging initially when i'm I'm up on that first interaction Mm -hmm. it can be however once they understand exactly why you're there and what you're doing and what your purpose is because sometimes that's lost in this whole thing um they calm down they relax and they really look at the big picture and they're like okay yeah. This is why he's here. This yeah, is what he's doing. Yeah, the big purpose. Doing. I think you hit right. the nail on the head. I mean, the big purpose. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I feel like there's always going to be two sides to every story if yes. we all just realize right. there's always two sides to everything. And like we said before, we're not there to arrest kids and take mm-hmm. them and haul them off to juvie. You know, we're there to figure out what the underlying issue is. And if there's something that we can intervene and something that we can help with, we will. If there's services that the family needs, um, whether it's, you know, there's food issues or, you know, uh, comforts of home issue or or housing issues, um, we're there to help. We're there to connect those services if, if need be for these kids so they can go to school and actually be um, in a safe place mentally to actually learn. How does that work, Sophia, for, for schools? Are you contracted out by districts, or by individual schools, or how, how does that work? Yeah, so Fort Wayne Community Schools contracts with us, um, and they um, have a buy-in to our SROs, so they pay part, part of the salary. The Fort Wayne Police Department pays the other half. So um, they go in, and we just have a contract right now for six um, SROs. And you know we wish it could be more, but we don't have the personnel um, Hopefully, with this new hiring, we'll be getting more people, and we can kind of offset that. But right now, as it stands, we just don't have enough officers to facilitate having someone in every school. Do most schools want an SRO? I think most of the schools around town do have some sort of school security mm-hmm. or an SRO. So our SROs are in the middle schools. Um, they they can't we can't be at all of them. We don't have enough personnel, but we are at most of the middle schools. The the high schools um, have their school security officers. Uh, that they hire and contract outside of, um, like, off-duty employment from our officers. And then the feeder schools, which are the elementary schools, are handled by the middle school SRO. Um, one of the questions we did have when someone when someone asked about you is they were um, excited to hear about your new position on the crisis response team. How did that come about, and why did you decide to do that? Well... <laughs> Captain Rosales Catina. <laughs> she can give you a choice, didn't she? <laughs> and uh, Lisa Woods, uh, two great people that I have uh, just respect so much from helping me during my uh, years, uh, asked me about being a negotiator. And I said, or and a crisis response team. And I was like, okay, wow. Well, yeah, what does that mean? So crisis response team is our hostage negotiation team. So um, we, we left it from hostage because there's not necessarily always a hostage. So we went to more of a crisis because people in these situations are more in crisis than anything. Okay. So that's our negotiation team. And it's been longstanding for many, many years. And James just came on um, in the past two years. Uh, last year. Last year. year. Oh, yes, so going on year two. Yeah, yeah, going on year two for him. Yeah. 
What's that like? That sounds intense. It is. Sweaty. (laughs) Hot. Uh, But we are having to open ourselves up and try to understand as best we can what that person is going through and trying to let that person know that there's another way and we try to give them another way and talking with them and establish a relationship with them as quickly as possible to get them the help that they need. So the crisis response team is always sent by policy out with our um, emergency services team or SWAT team. Okay. They're sent simultaneously together. Now, the negotiators aren't always sent when SWAT is. Sometimes they do some things on their own that we're not that the crisis response team is not involved in. But whenever the crisis team is sent out, our EST team has to go with them. I mean, how, how does that conversation even start? Where do you begin with someone in that kind of a, 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 in that kind of a crisis? Obviously, you introduce yourself, mm-hmm. and then you let them know that you're here to help them. You're here for them, and you want to have them open themselves up to the point where they know what their problem is, and they understand that our job is not to come in here and just disrupt, cause disruption. We want to cause you or, or offer you the ability to get services that you may need for whatever situation you're going through. How long can negotiations go? I mean, is there a time where it's like, hey, we've been at this for five hours. We need to try a different tactic. Yeah, it's all situation dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I speak, I was 16 years on the team, so um, I can can speak from prior knowledge. Um, It it goes from anywhere from, you know, a half an hour to hours. Mm -hmm. Um, It just depends on the situation and what's involved. Obviously, when there's um, hostages involved, um, more time is taken because, because it has to be, right? We have to be consciously aware of those people inside that house. Um, when it's a solo barricade, depending on what the issue is, are they armed? Are they not armed? Are they threatening to shoot? Are they not? There's just so many things that go go on. And, and we'll talk about that with, with the SWAT commander when he comes on uh, next week. Um, we'll, we'll ask him these questions, and he can better explain this because, you know, the heads of those teams are in those positions of deciding, you know, when— uh, when time is up and but when James we can't go further. James would be one of the first people then, one of the first faces that someone would see in one of these crisis situations. Well, there's right? no, there's no face. We don't negotiate face-to-face. It's too dangerous. Um, sometimes we get caught up in a face-to-face, mm-hmm. um, but we don't do that generally as a practice. Um, we're usually by phone or by text. Um, sometime, no, sometimes we're over social media. There's, you know, with technology improving, there's so many ways we can we can contact people now. Um, but generally, it's it's usually a phone call is what we really like because it's hard to see tone and um, voice inflection on certain words when you're texting. Um, the phone conversation, while face to face, is always best, but it's also the very very dangerous mm-hmm. for everyone involved. Um, the phone is really good because you can hear tone and you can hear inflection on certain words. You can hear what's important to people. Um, you know, 80% of what we see from people's body language, but we, if we don't have that, then we have to hear and hear tone and hear inflection. James, did you have to go through special training for this? Or how, what, tell me about that. Yes. Oh, that was an intense school. <laughs> intense school was a, uh, spent several hours just learning how to talk to people, how to um, deal with certain situations and, and, and learning about mental health, et cetera. Yeah. So it was... Um, and it's always continuous because it's all it's not it doesn't just you just go to a school and then all of a sudden now it's and over. Then you're done. Yeah. No, it, this is a continual process. I know so. you, you're relatively new to the team, but is it something that you're enjoying doing, which kind of sounds weird to say, uh, 
because it's a crisis situations, but. Yes, I really do. And I, I, our team is wonderful. Lieutenant Bowers and all the team members uh, are all helpful. It's like a family. Mm-hmm. It's a family. And we help each other out as much as possible uh, during situations. And I think that we're making a great difference. Sophia, as a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, what stood out about James or really any individuals to be a part of that team? What stands out? I think what stands out and what we've what we've found when we do these interviews, like I said, being on the team for so long, we had multiple interviews of people we were bringing on the team. And it's such a close-knit family-style team that we really have to make sure that personalities aren't going to conflict, that there's not um, things. But generally, when we look for people, we're looking for that person who just is genuine and has that ability to communicate with people on a very basic level. This doesn't need to be – I don't need someone to talk down to someone. I don't need someone to – to kind of impose a hierarchy at this point. I need someone to be on the level that someone is, and that's that's genuineness. And I'm telling you what, people in crisis can really pick up when you're not being genuine, and they will hang that phone up on you, and they will refuse to talk to you. Oh, wow. So it's people can people can sense that immediately and and you will not get anywhere legitimately with a person in crisis if you're if you're going to be that way. So we look for people like James who just have that communication style that's genuine and that's that's basic to human nature. I mean, everybody wants to be heard. Yeah. And that's what we give people in crisis an opportunity because sometimes that's just what they want. They just want to have their say. And and then, you know, because as, as emotions come down, rationality goes up because when we're in a heightened emotional state, rationale is down at the bottom. And we're really trying to balance that out and get people back to that rational thinking. And that's what a good conversation and someone like James can invoke from someone just speaking, venting, getting that anger out, and it levels that. Just that. having their voice heard, like yes. you said. So yes. how does that work on a Tuesday? You're at school, you're, you're doing your normal, I'm gonna say day-to-day mm-hmm. operations, then you get a phone call, James, we need you at this location, we've got a crisis situation. Are you able to respond to that call and leave your SRO duties, or does that never happen? You call some, you call somebody else that's available, I guess. No, I can go, can and go. the school understands exactly that I'm part of this team and how important it is, and um, I will respond accordingly. Yeah. So yes. our, our our crisis response team is available 24/7, 365. Oh wow! So they're on call all throughout the year every day we can we can bring someone on to talk about this and more in depth because it really is fascinating and it's just fascinating to talk about human nature it is, and you see a lot of that and i say i feel like we say this almost every week too yeah. you have your like tv movie perception <laughs> of it all like on this big megaphone like hi i'm james Payne. i'm here to, you know what i mean like, that never happens right like that's i feel like what you see on tv and yeah. like for example i had no idea that you communicated via via text message for example like yeah. i i'm surprised that that's even a part of you know the process in some cases but He's kind amazing. of while we're on this topic so next week we are going to talk a little bit more about SWAT team and when in fact they are called out and everything that goes into that logistically right yes we'll have lieutenant Kevin Zelt who's the commander of the SWAT team a longtime commander he is very he'll be very insightful on a lot of your questions um, on those kinds of things and in general just what our EST is and is not be tuned in next Saturday for that edition of unholstered and if you missed any other previous episodes so don't forget, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you can download a podcast. It's your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.